Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends, to yet another show of the Zenpreneur Podcast. My name is Mario Lanzarotti, and today I have a very intriguing and interesting guest. His name is Dr. Mike Van Thielen. He's a medical director at Clary Gen Z Health pioneers innovative treatments like a side effect free alternative to Adderall and as a physician to Boston Neuropain and Psych Centers he significantly impacts chronic pain and mental health care as an acclaimed author and founder of the health freedom movement Dr. Fandila is renowned for optimizing health and productivity. His three-decade journey spans optimal health practices, anti-aging and sports performance. And he is an all-American swimmer, a world record holder, and a key figure in the Belgian Olympic swimming team, exemplifying his dedication to health and athletic excellence. So just the right person that we want to talk to today. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mario. It's an absolute pleasure. Mike, I know you have, a, you have an intriguing story. You are not from the U.S. originally. You are from Belgium. And Correct. you shared with me that you came to the U.S. with just $400 in your pocket. How did you make it? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, my brother and I grew up a uh, single family home. My mother worked hard to make ends meet. And so, I mean, we were grateful. We obviously had food on the table and a roof above our head, but that was about it. So from a young age on, I had to be a little bit entrepreneurial if I wanted to have a bicycle or if I wanted to have something that I wanted to have. And at the same time, I was very competitive. Um, I loved sports. Uh, was on the, uh, you know, in elementary school, when, that's where it all started. I was the fastest runner in the class. I was on the soccer team, basketball team, but um, I lost to a good friend in swimming um, because he was part of a local swim team. So according to my mother, because I don't really actively recall, my solution the next day was to join the local swim team also. And that's how I found my passion for swimming. swimming. But fast forward, um, ended up going to the University of Brussels for physical education and then physical therapy. Luckily, uh, you know, the expense to go to university in Belgium is not that much. So I did all of DJing and I did all of private swim lessons where I taught kids to swim to uh, pay for the uh, low-cost education uh, because that wouldn't work in the United States of America. But long story short, after I graduated and traveled with the Olympic Belgian Olympic swimmers in preparation for the Atlanta Games in 96, they were short of physical therapists in the United States. So uh, I got approached by a recruiter. And uh, so really, I had to uh, make a conscious effort to save a little bit of money. So yes, I saved $400, packed my backpack, put my jeans on, and came live the American dream. So that's a long story short there, Mario. Now, you obviously have a track record of high performance, of reaching levels that most average 
people never even dream of in their lives. And in my time as in, in, in personal development and, and in high performance over the past 10 years, I found out that for many people that reach these very high levels, there's often a lot of pain that creates that initial drive. And so I'm wondering, you talk about how you lost to, if I'm, if I'm correct, your best friend. Was that like a painful moment that made you feel a sense of insignificance, a sense of like not strong enough where you wanted to come back and you wanted to prove yourself? Or was it just, you know, the pure desire for being in the water and, and, and being the best that you can be? Well, I did lose a few friends while I was a teenager in swimming, mostly to car accidents. I also lost my brother at age where he was 23 in a car accident. So that's a common wow. thing there in Europe. Um, but uh, those were hard moments, obviously. But I don't think necessarily those were the moments that made me want it more. I just think I was always very competitive and uh, just don't like to lose. You know what I mean? Um so I think that has a lot to do with it. Obviously, today it's a different scenario than when I was a teenager. I think uh, uh, as a teenager or as a youngster, you're invincible. So you just train hard, but you don't take into account diet and mindset and biohacking and all the other things that you can do to optimize your body and your mind. But today at my age, obviously, if I want to be the best, I need to take, quote unquote, that unfair advantage doing the things that other athletes want to because they're still focused on, you know, maybe take a few supplements, but they're focused on, you know, training as much as they can and going to the gym and doing the conventional stuff. Whereas I train a lot less than my competition, but I biohack, I upgrade my body, my mind with daily routines, something they don't do. So I try to objectively reverse my biological age and that would be my advantage mm. okay tell me tell me more about that so you said you train less than your competition but you seem to be above your comp uh, competition or ahead of them and that's because you use biohacking and so what are some of those practices that you do on a daily basis that give you that competitive edge yeah, there's, there's, there's biohacking is an amorphous term. It's, uh, it encompasses so much, but in my dictionary, it's upgrading your body, your mind and your life from a health point of view or performance point of view, objectively reversing that biological age. So if you compete, for example, in a 50 plus year category, but you put your body in a, you know, uh, your biological age at 40, then obviously you're going to have a huge advantage, right? And that's what it's about. But, you know, for example, in my latest book, I talk a lot about biohacking and getting into the zone and mindset. Uh, and in there, I have seven foundations because a lot of people think that, oh, there's a lot of technologies involved. I need to buy stuff. I need to have a hyperbaric chamber in my room, just like Michael <laughs> Phelps, or I need to have this expensive equipment. And it's totally not true. Because just like with health, you know, there are really no shortcuts. So you certainly have to start with putting a solid foundation in place. And so in my book, I talk about seven foundations of biohacking. And so everybody can kind of, of each of those foundations, figure out what works for them. And then ultimately with those seven foundations, you need to mold those into a daily, what I call power routine. 
so I have a morning routine, I have an evening routine, and I have a biohacking routine, and that becomes part of your lifestyle. And if you practice that daily, you're going to get some serious advantages, not just from athletic performance, but just clarity in your mind and from a health point of view, because what we're doing here, we're essentially you know, increasing our lifespan and reversing our biological age, which means, and I believe that today that's possible, not just the elite, but the average person. If the average person implements these strategies into their daily life, I believe everybody easily can be 100 years old. But the key here is that at age 100, we can do the things a 40, 50-year-old can do. So you will be able to travel, to hike, and do the things you like to do at that age. And that's increasing lifespan. And obviously, you can see how that would then, you know, positively affect your your uh, physical performance or your athleticism and give right. you all these advantages. Right. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm very much into routines and optimizations and expanding. And, and you know, when you talk about being 100 years old, but having the level of mobility and strength and flexibility of a 50-year-old, that's a bold statement for most people's standards. So what does a typical morning routine look like for you that will give you that ability? Yeah, again, there's different routines, and I try to get in those seven foundations between my different routines. But um, maybe I can talk about these uh, seven foundations because then your listeners can actually start putting their own routines together, if you like. Please. <laughs> yes. So, and they're very simple, uh, but they're very powerful. Number one, water, you know. We need to drink enough water, and we need to drink clean water. Now, in Europe, and I don't know, Africa, where you're from, but um, the water's kind of clean, but in the United States, they put a lot of toxins in here. We got fluoride in our drinking water, and uh, that's a neurotoxin, so... Based on where you are, do a little bit of research and make sure you have a system in your, in place uh, that purifies your water. And you need to drink a lot of it. Why? Because we are a, what I call a plumbing system. We have a circulatory system. We have a lymphatic system, which is part of the immune system. And so everything needs to move. Stagnation equals disease. So we can't have things clog up just like a plumbing system. Things need to move. So hydration becomes very important. And most of us don't drink enough. And it needs to be clean water. And it needs to be water. It cannot be soda. It cannot be, you know, Red Bull or coffee or tea. Uh, it needs to be water, right? So that's step number one. Easy to do, but you got to do it. Number two is air, right? We all uh, breathe in uh, air, 21% oxygen. But two tips I think we need to um, take into account. Number one, we need fresh air. We need to try to spend more time outdoors. Even if it's during lunch at work, go sit outside in the evening. If it doesn't rain, take your family outside, do outdoor activities, spend the weekends outdoors. And there's more reasons for that, but fresh air is important. But number, number two is even more important. Most of us, and I believe 99% of us, do not know how to breathe. First thing we do when we're born is take a breath. And the last thing we will do before we die is take a breath. Yet we don't know how to breathe. Uh, because most of us breathe to the mouth, and the mouth is designed to talk and eat. The nose here is there for a purpose. It's not to sneeze. <laughs> it's to breathe. So a normal breath, and most people are surprised when they hear that, is in through the nose for five counts and then out through the nose for six counts. And there's different reasons for that. The nose is much narrower, so what it does, it, it pushes that oxygen much deeper into the lungs, the tissues, and the cells. 
Number two, in our nasal cavity here, we have nitric oxide. So when we breathe into the nose, we capture that nitric oxide, which is a dilator, which again helps getting that oxygen uh, deeper into the tissues. And I guess from a biohacking point of view, it may be the best biohack anybody can learn because if we breathe in five counts and exhale through the nose six counts, we only take an average of five and a half breaths per minute. Right now through the mouth, we probably breathe between 16 and 20, 22 times. So now we increase the efficiency by 300%. Now, why is that important? Because yes, we need oxygen to live, but on, on the other side, it's too much oxygen, as we know, is oxidation. It's rusting. It's oxidative stress. It's aging. Oxidation is aging. So if you want to live longer, you, you can increase your efficiency by just learning to breathe properly. And again, we got YouTube. We got apps. We got all kinds of stuff that we can download or listen to for free to learn to breathe properly. I suggest, and I don't know if it's available where you are, but the app that I use, it's called The Breath Source because all the top breath masters in the world are on that app and you can download it for free. So learn to breathe properly because, you know, some elite athletes and some people that do have the uh, disposable income, you know, you can have a hyperbaric oxygen uh, in your house or at, at your wellness uh, clinic. But again, you need to get those basics. You will benefit much better from that hyperbaric oxygen or from 100% oxygen or from hydrogen or molecular hydrogen inhalation. Those are all great things, but they cost money. But get the foundation in place because when you learn to breathe properly and then eventually maybe you want to invest in one of these technologies, you're going to benefit much better because you know how to utilize that oxygen. So learn how to breathe, step number two. <laughs> Step number three would be movement. And I choose that word purposefully because we all talk about exercise. And so from a health point of view, I don't think exercise is the right word because I know people that go to the gym every day, spend one to two hours every single day in the gym. But then the rest of the day, they may be at a sedentary job selling insurance. And so that's not healthy because, again, uh, we are a plumbing system. Things need to move. Stagnation is disease. Stagnation is trouble. So we need to kind of change our point of view from going to the gym or doing exercise or doing whatever it is that you're doing, even swimming two hours per day, to, yes, that's great, but what am I doing all the other hours, right? We need to constantly move. We need to walk. We need to play with the dogs. We need to play with the grandkids. We need to take dancing lessons. We got to do outdoor activities. And if that's not possible, again, we got technologies, vibration platforms, mini trampolines. We really need our body to constantly be in motion. Um, so that's number three. Number four is the opposite. It's rest and sleep. Because during sleep, deep delta sleep at least, our body repairs, revitalizes, replenishes, regenerates, right? The best analogy is a supermarket, I think, because if the people don't restock the shelves, then the next day, and especially in two days, there's nothing to buy and there's no supermarket. And it's the same with our body. During deep delta sleep, that's where we recover, repair, replenish, regenerate. And so it's important that we sleep long enough, but even more important, high quality sleep. We got to get into that deep delta sleep. And so most people are unable to do that. And so we need to find a routine for them that allows them to get into the deep sleep so we wake up refreshed. And most of us don't wake up refreshed 
ready to go, full of energy. A few tips for your listeners, maybe that are pretty general uh, to that aspect is, number one, do not eat or snack three, four, ideally five hours before you go to bed. Because if you go to sleep and your digestive system is still working, you're not going to get into that deep delta sleep because your body's still working. Um, Another thing is one hour at least before you go to bed, stop stimulating your body and your brain. No more TV, uh, no more business calls, no more gaming. Just shut everything off and wind down. And then maybe the last one is part of my power routine is I do a one to two minute visualization because I'm one of many people that when we go to bed, there's so many thoughts going through our mind. Oh, I got to do this tomorrow. Then I got to do this. What I'm going to say to my boss, how am I going to handle this situation? How am I going to get the kids to soccer in time, etc. And so our mind is preoccupied and we can't fall asleep. So what I do in the one to two minute visualization, I go through the next 24 hours step by step and I make the right decisions at each point. And so now I can go to sleep because I don't have to worry about it anymore. I already went over the next 24 hours. So that's number four. So we got four easy ones so far. Number five would be light. And with light, I mean sunlight, right? Not heat, light. Because sunlight promotes and stimulates all biological, physiological, and nutritional processes in the body, period. Uh, The easiest example to give for people to grasp that idea is if we look at animals in the Amazon or the rainforest around the equator, They're strong, they're vibrant, they're colorful versus animals that don't see sunlight. Like a mole, they're even blind, right? And they're certainly not vital. So light stimulates those processes. So again, just like in step number two with oxygen, we need to spend more time outdoors and be exposed to sunlight. Uh, While we're outdoors getting fresh air and sunlight, we may as well take our shoes off and do some grounding get one with Mother Earth to get that excess negative energy discharge into the ground. So sunlight. Now, if you live in Iceland or Norway during the winter and there is no light, that's when the technology is coming, like near-infrared saunas, uh, whole-body photobiomodulation devices. So the technologies are there, but Mother Earth is more powerful. Um, So that's five. Number six is upgrade our nutrition or our diet, right? The things that we put into our mouth. And so usually that's what we only focus on. And yes, it's important. But again, it's only one of the seven important ones or foundational ones, in my opinion. Um, I think the best way to approach this is to make a statement that I believe in that all disease has only one cause and it's toxemia. Toxemia literally means toxins in the blood, but in a little bit more detail, what it means is that as part of daily living, as part of our metabolism, we constantly obviously produce waste products, toxins, but in a healthy organism, those toxins are uh, eliminated by the kidneys, the bowels, the skin, etc. So no harm is done. However, today we're exposed to far more toxins and we ingest far more toxins than the body possibly can eliminate. So now we end up with an accumulation of toxins in our blood and our body, and that's what we call toxemia. Now, toxemia does two things. Number one, these toxins steal an electron from a healthy atom, which then becomes unstable, which we know as free radicals. And everybody heard that free radicals can wreak havoc on a cellular and even the DNA level. And number two, even more, in, more important and easier to understand is it puts us in a situation of... Um, 
putting out fires in a constant emergency, trying to neutralize those toxins that the body cannot keep up eliminating. And so we're in a constant state of emergency. And in conventional medicine, we have a term for that. It's called systemic inflammation. And finally, even conventional medicine has now agreed that systemic inflammation is the cause of over 90% of all disease. So if we want to be healthy and disease-free, theoretically, it's very easy. We need to keep toxemia in check. How do we do that? We need to reduce the exposure and the intake to toxins from what? Man-made foods, man-made drinks, over-the-counter prescription medication, household products, cleaning products, beauty products, the, the chemicals we put on our skin. And today, electromagnetic frequencies and radiation from the Wi-Fi, the wireless devices, the smart appliances, our cell phones, we need to do whatever we can to reduce that and mitigate as much as we can while simultaneously increasing the nutrients that we take in, nutrients that fight free radical damage, repair our DNA and reduce systemic inflammation. And if we just can, you know, tip that balance, we will be disease free and very healthy. So that's what I focus on with my clients is really tip that and upgrade our diet. And the number seven, probably the last one, the most important one is upgrading our mindset. Because the mm. mind not only controls the body, the mind also controls disease. It controls the outcome of disease. And it's the blueprint to our future, to our failure, our success. And so with many of my clients, even people that I treat with cancer, Parkinson's, I treat those type of people. And then I work with top athletes because it's, it's always the same approach, basically, is that we really need to work on that mindset because it's so important, right? Uh, on their belief system, eliminating false core beliefs, making sure they're not held back by uh, their past experiences, which they label as failures, and we need to label those as learning stones, and then really create a dream, a goals, a plan that we break down in incremental attainable steps that uh, create fulfillment on a daily basis, and so then be pulled forward by the future and work on that belief system. And we can do that today. We got so many tools to do that. Visualization, manifestation, gratitude, journaling, uh, you know, breath work is the one that works best for me because remember my mind's going and going. So if I really focus on my breath, suddenly everything else disappears out of my mind and I get into a meditative state. And there's even technologies out there like brain tap, etc. So mindset becomes very important, probably the most important one of all those seven to really overcome the obstacles in your life, but also as a performer, as a top athlete, as an entrepreneur, if you want to be the best, you need to be able to manage your emotions, your feelings. You need to be able to be in control of it and get into the zone on demand. So those mm. are the seven. And what everybody needs to do is kind of trial and error and then use those seven to create a daily routine. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I love that. And there's, you know, there's so much that we can dive into. And before we do, the question that came to mind for me is all the things that you're sharing, they're not, they're things that have always been around, right? It's you're not coming up with anything where it's like revolutionary, like a technological device that we didn't have 50, 100 years ago, or even way before that. And so I asked myself, What's your opinion on how did we get here? How did we strive so far away from living in alignment with the tools 
that have been given to us to, in, in the way that you say, allow us to live to a hundred, but function at the level of a 50 year old. What got us here? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I got a great answer for that too. But yes, these the, the ones I mentioned are foundations. And yes, there's technologies out there that could assist with this, but we need to put the foundations in place first. And how we got that, yeah, it's kind of pretty easy. I do believe we're modern slaves. Uh, we, we don't have the shackles on, but we're very controlled in a sense that we are getting all the conveniences in life. Uh, if we go to work, you know, from eight to five. And if we do this and if we pay our bills and if we do this, there's this convenience, here's, here's social media, here's the TV, here's all this addictive food. And so we're kept into what we call our comfort zone, right? We are content, but we're not happy and we don't find fulfillment. We're just going with the motions. And so that's where we kind of are. And I believe that, you know, most of us don't realize that, but also most of us easily would trade short-term pleasures and indulgences for the real treasures in life, which again are happiness, fulfillment, you know, sharing your abundance, helping other people uh, because we're social beings and we really want to help other people. But if you don't make enough money, if you don't have free time, you're not in a position to help anybody else because we're constantly in our own survival mode. And so we need to get out of that comfort zone because that's where we grow. That's where we usually find our purpose out of that comfort zone. Uh, that's where we come uh, extraordinary and that's where we can unleash our superpowers. But most of us are, you know, content and they have put us in a system where we have certain conveniences and indulgences. And so for most of us, it keeps us into that system versus reaching for what we really deserve is freedom, fulfillment, uh, you know, love and helping others and sharing your abundance. And so yeah. I think... Uh, that system is put in place because that's where we difference from. That's where we as humans different differ from animals in the wild. We have an awareness. And so the awareness gives us the freedom to choose our response. And so when you ask why, how did we come is because we have been choosing the wrong responses over and over again, which has put us as individuals and as a generation or species in ill health. But luckily, because animals, animals don't have that awareness, they have an instinct and they always act according to the laws of Mother Nature in their best interest and in the best interest of their species. That's why when you look at animals in the wild, they're in perfect health. They don't have COVID, uh, COPD, Alzheimer's, AFib, uh, <laughs> you know, right. emphysema. They don't have those diseases, right? Because they live in harmony with Mother Nature. And so... It's our freedom to choose our response to a certain stimulus that has uh, that got us straight. But luckily, we have that same awareness, that same power, that same freedom to choose our response to at any given moment turn that around and choose health freedom and choose to take responsibility and get out of that comfort zone and find your purpose and find fulfillment and be healthy and be one with Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. And I think, you know, what you described is this idea of the golden shekels. There's this often people say, you know, this is the freedom for me. This is freedom for, for, for myself, you know, to be, I just want to be comfortable. And there's this general sense of, I just don't want to feel any sense of discomfort, any sense of pain. And so I'm wondering, how do you look at the relationship that we have with pain 
And where does suffering come into that conversation? Yeah. Well, no, again, our brain is very basic, right? It's the flight or fight. It's the whole story that everybody heard about the sable tiger, tooth tiger chasing you, right? So our brain always tries to protect us. Uh, doesn't want to, doesn't like change, doesn't like to get in new situations. It wants to know what's going to happen versus, ooh, if we do this, who knows what's going to happen. There may be a danger zone. So our brain always talks us out of doing anything that is new, that is change or stepping out of that quote unquote comfort zone. But I think, um, you know, ultimately it's not going to be anything but regret staying in that comfort zone. So with my mentees, I really talk about that comfort zone because I think education is the first thing is understanding that comfort zone and also understanding that we get out of the comfort zone. What is it that we can expect? Because the first thing is fear. Uh, you end up in the fear zone, right? The unknown. Then the next step is the learning zone. You got to learn new skills. And then the third, the next and the last uh, step is you end up in the growth zone. So, but um, many times that growth zone over time becomes what? your new comfort zone. So then once more, if you want to get to that next level, you know, you went from making a living to becoming a millionaire. Now you're, you're comfortable again. But if you want to be a billionaire, guess what you got to do, right? Get back out of the comfort zone. It's same with health. It's same with anything else in life. But if you understand the cycle is an advantage, if you also understand how other people will react, um, one of the first thing I tell my mentees is, look, if we're going to step out of this comfort zone and we're going to go for your goals and your dreams, and you're going to share that with your loved ones, with your family at home, they're obviously going to say, oh, you know, you're crazy or you can't do that or that's irresponsible. You're going to get all that thrown at you, right? And I just make my mentees realize that that's going to come. And it's not because they're ill-willed or that they don't love you or they don't want the best for you. The reason they react that way is because you are part of their comfort zone. And so you're going to be disrupting their comfort zone. And so mm -hmm. instead of reacting and getting to a discussion or a fight, expect that's what's happening and then be very calm and sit down with them and explain the comfort zone and try to pull them around and try and, you know, have them part of that discussion that they don't want to fall prey to, you know, like it said, the modern slave mentality. And so when you know what's coming and you know what to expect, it becomes a little bit less painful, let's put it that way. But I think... The difference there between pain and suffering is whether you have purpose in life or no purpose in life. So most people, they don't know what their purpose is or are barely tapping into it. And so just imagine that you're going day by day, going to the job, being overwhelmed with extra work by the boss, trying to get the kids to soccer and just trying to catch up with life. And many times also trying to catch up with finances. So if you don't know what tomorrow brings next week, next month, next year, Obviously, you're going to be worried. You're going to be uncertain. There's going to be fear and all those negative emotions translate in what? Anxiety, depression, and all those mental illnesses that we hear about today. And so, but that's only because there's a lack of purpose. Yes, you can take a smart drug. Yes, you can go to a psychotherapist, but you're not addressing the cause. The cause is you have no purpose. And so once we work, work with people on purpose and then really regain control of their life, meaning their agenda, their calendar, uh, having a plan towards their dreams and breaking that down in steps. So they're very clear because control creates clarity and clarity reduces stress. 
making everything very clear so they know what's coming, then all those stresses and worries and fears go away, number one. And then when we work on that mindset we talked about, about being pulled forward by the goals and the dreams and really making those concrete steps, now the pain becomes different because these hurdles are suddenly not obstacles anymore. They become stepping stones. They become opportunities to get closer to their goals and dreams. So that pain and suffering, you know, it's perceived totally differently. It's just taking that hurdle, uh, but you gladly get up in the morning and take that hurdle because you know where it brings you. You know you're going to one step closer, so it doesn't become a pain anymore. If you don't have that vision and if you don't have that clear path, then that obstacle becomes a very frustrating thing where we throw up the arms in the air and say, oh, my God, why me? I can't do this. It's not meant to be because there's nothing you look forward to behind that hurdle, right? So I think pain and suffering can go away if we find true purpose and organize our life and really plan out on how we're going to get there, get the right people around you, get the right team, get a good plan, and really, really script your life so you're in control of your life. Most people are no longer in control of their life, which obviously creates all that uncertainty, worry, and fear. Mm. You said it beautifully. From what I'm hearing, the difference between somebody feeling like pain is a sense of punishment for their life and another person viewing pain as an opportunity to grow towards a greater expression of who they are in this world is purpose. And so talk to me about purpose. How, what, what's your idea of, of, of purpose? What, how does somebody find their purpose? Is that they find it? Do they create it? How do they know that they hit the spot? Yeah. Well, I believe... <clears throat> I believe everybody has purpose right now, but it doesn't mean it can't change because certain events in your life make you realize your purpose, right? You know, some people, and this is a simple example, they survived cancer and suddenly they feel they need to show other people how to do that, right? So certain, sometimes it's like people find purpose because an, an event or something that happened to them or their, their family. So that can be a turning point. And they say, that's why God put me here. That's why I'm still alive, because now I can help other people overcome these obstacles. So that could be a sense. But but for the average person, again, we're stuck in this society, which has put us in a certain direction. Right? When we're born, we're supposed to go to school. We're supposed to go to college. Then we're supposed to work for somebody else who so we're 65. And then there's the golden years, which usually don't happen. Or our parents and our teachers push us in a certain direction. Because if dad's a lawyer, he probably wants to go to law school. If mom's a doctor, they probably want to go to med school. And we get stuck in that system again. And so many times when I help people find their purpose, it's like, okay, let's just stop. And let's just have a conversation about what were your dreams as a kid? What superpowers did you want as a kid? And sometimes they still align. Most of the time, not. But it's good to start a conversation that way. Oh, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. What do you think about flying now? And, and you just see in their expression, you know, if they lighten up and their eyes get bigger and they get some fire in their stomach, maybe that's still something, um, you know, still their purpose or their passion. Uh, many times I do a bunch of exercises with them, um, you know, most of the time over a Zoom call like this, if they're not local, like, you know, make them think about certain things. And so many times in just a few sessions, uh, we can identify that purpose. And sometimes... We just need to get out of the comfort zone to uh, identify that purpose because we're stuck in a 
very small zone where we don't even know ourselves. People cannot discover themselves. They don't step out of that system, out of that comfort zone. And so sometimes we need to first get out of the comfort zone to then really discover ourselves and really see what we're passionate and purpose and passionate about and what our purpose is. Um, but yeah, I do some exercises with them and have them think about things. And then we have people that think they're already living their purpose and often they're not. So, um, you know, a good example was an, uh, an eye surgeon uh, not too long ago, very successful, uh, great story coming, parents coming from Cuba, you know, growing up over here, becoming a very successful eye surgeon, making plenty of money, living in a nice house, paying all the bills, having a family. And so, <clears throat> but we figured out he's not living his purpose. Uh, he's, he's okay and content, but we figured out after a few sessions, his, his passion and his purpose is music, which is totally different, right? <laughs> Right. So how do we then transition? Because they say, oh, Mike, you're right, but I cannot just stop working or taking responsibilities. I'm not asking that. Let's free up one hour a day to work on that music dream. I'm not telling you to drop anything. Let's free up an hour today. And it's very easy to do freeing up that hour. Most people say, I don't have any time. I'll get you two hours in five minutes, you know, by talking to you. So free that up. And then every, every day you're going to work on that. And maybe at some point in life, you can transition into that, right? Same with people that are retired. Many times they've been working to pay the bills to provide for their family. And then are they retired and they're depressed? No, this is the time for you. You still got 30, 40 years. So, so what is your purpose? What is your passion? Let's go, let's go, let's go. The kids are out of the house. Now's the time not to be depressed. Now's the time to live and find your purpose. So to answer your question is just a few exercises I do with them, ask them a few questions, you know, putting on the brakes and stepping outside of that box and really see what ignites them and, and creates fire in their stomach. And like I said, it may be something that a purpose now that may change in five or 10 years based on an event in their life. And that's okay. As long as they live with passion and fulfillment on a daily basis. You just said that you can help somebody free up two hours of their time in a short conversation. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Like, cause, cause as you were saying that I'm like, okay, that's a bold statement. So now I'm curious. I've not failed yet, but um, what it means is that most of us spend all of time doing nothing or, or being what I call holy schlifflets. We're busy, but we're not producing anything. We all heard that 80% of what we produce is done in 20% of the time. So if we just clear up that agenda, find out what our purpose and our dreams are, then we can say, so why am, why am I uh, being part of this project? It does not contribute to my goals and dreams because we, we are creatures, creatures that say yes all the time, right? If your friend asks you to help with a certain project, we say yes, but we need to learn to say no if it doesn't fit our goals and dreams. So we go over all the projects they're involved in and usually we can get rid of a few. But even easier, even the, the business people that tell me, oh, I have no minutes spare. Well, okay, let's go over your day. Um, yesterday, for example, how many meetings did you have? Oh, I had two meetings. How long were they? Oh, they're an hour each. Okay, that's the problem right there. Who cannot make a decision on one topic in 15 minutes? So from now on, schedule your meetings in 15-minute increments and do yourself and everybody else on the Zoom call a favor. And so now we cleared up an hour and a half. And then you yeah. got the average person that comes home from work. They're tired. They're 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 putting Netflix on. 
at night and they see three episodes of whatever it is. And so that's not contributing to your purpose. And then there's social media. How much time do we waste there? So it is, it is easy to free up a few hours. But again, we go back to the same thing. Without purpose, there's no reason for them to free them up because that's their conveniences. They felt they worked all day and they want to relax in front of the TV and they yeah. want to eat uh, a bag of potato chips and, and have all the conveniences there. So that's their reward for working for the system. Right? right. And so we need to change that mindset because we want to free up valuable time to follow our dreams. But also, what if we can free up three hours per day and an hour and a half of that you work on your dreams? And now you suddenly have another hour and a half for what? Spend time with your kids, your family, do self-development, you know, all those types of things. And so we just need to free up some time. And it's amazing on how much time we can free up if you think about it. Mm. Yeah. I'm right worst there case scenario, I'm not... Mario. Worst case scenario, we get up one hour earlier. <laughs> well, for a lot of people, that's a, that's a lot to ask. What time do you get up well, in the morning? I'm curious. Yeah, especially if they don't get in a deep sleep, because then they're tired. And you know, if you if you wake up refreshed and you get a deep sleep, it's okay to wake up at five thirty versus six thirty. So I, I want to ask you this, because this is something out of my life, something that I do. So I, I get up Monday to Friday, I get up at 5 a.m. And then I have a about a three-hour morning routine. First thing that I do is I uh, drink some water, spring water, get it from the spring here. We have a spring in Cape Town, uh, comes straight out of the Great. ground, super clean water. Then I do about 10 to 15 minutes of Qigong. Then I journal a page of gratitude. Then I meditate for about an hour. And that's a Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation. I'm yeah, sure. familiar with this yeah. work. And then, uh, I, and, then I do, and then I go and I do a workout. So this morning I hiked up uh, the mountain here in nature. So I, I commit to one hike per week. Uh, otherwise, it's once one time yoga. Uh, the other times I go to the gym. And so my question for you is, I sleep about six to seven hours. And when I wake up, I, I'm up. I feel refreshed. I, I'm not, I don't have this. Ugh, ugh. I'm, I'm on. Yeah, Energy exactly. is on. And so sometimes I also watch. I, 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 here's how I wind, wind down. I, um, I journal um, half a page. Then I meditate. I listen to a, a, a meditation for about 15 to 20 minutes. I turn it off and I fall asleep. And before yeah. that, occasionally I watch something, a show, a movie, because my dairy is very, you know, very sure. conscious, very conscious. I focus on a lot of the conscious breathing throughout the day, uh, movement. Um, I usually take a walk on the promenade. But I have this story that I tell myself because there's so much about sleep that says, uh, you need to sleep eight hours. And I don't, I sleep six to seven. And from a feeling point, from a health point, yeah. I'm doing great, but I'm, I'm, no, I'm having a little bit of a doubt. Like, what if there's a five, 10 years down the line, it's like, oh, you missed out on all that sleep. Now you're gonna pay for it. No, it's the quality that counts, right? So it's very simple test. If you wake up refreshed, ready to go, that's all you yes. need. That's that's the answer. So when I help people with their sleep, we only know that it that it's working and that the evening power team works when they say, oh, my God, I woke up and I was ready to go. I didn't have to say, oh, my God, I got to get up. I wish I could sleep in. 
No, if all that is gone, that's your answer. That's your biology. You know, Mother Nature tells you, your biology tells you, your mind tells you, you're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, good. You're good. That, that's refreshing to hear. Thank you. Yes. Now, I, I have another question for you. And, and see, my my opinion on this is very similar to yours. I'm not, I'm definitely not on your level of biohacking. Um, I'm also, I got to say, yeah, I'm not even sure if I want to get, get, get to that level. But what I've found is that the most powerful thing in life is you talked about earlier is, is you, is your mind. I've personally healed chronic uh, back pain when I was 21 years old. I had uh, one and a half years. I had a slip disc. I went to countless doctors. The last one wanted to perform surgery on me. I was 21. I was like, mm. screw you, man. It's like, I'm not doing mm. surgery. Yes. And so yes. I went on to the alternative healing path and I cleared shame, guilt, a lot of weight that I was carrying emotionally. And that with some physical therapy that healed it completely. And it never came back in my, again. And so now over the past, I would say three years, I've been moving very strongly towards faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean any specific kind of religion. I'm not a religious person. I'm a very faithful person. And so I mm. communicate with God. I use the term God, but I'm not attached to the term God every single day and multiple times a day. Like when I went, I went up hiking today and I was constantly in communication with God and to me, that feels like it's another level that is just fueling me with so much nourishing energy all the time. And I rarely have any more low or down moments. And that's not because I think I'm better than anyone or more special. Not at all. Anybody can do this. And so I'm curious because you have, you have a great knowledge of the scientific background on this. What's your idea or your, your perspective on spirituality on on faith on, on on god the universe like i'm not attached to the name but what role does that play for you oh no it's a it's a big role for most people and again it doesn't really matter what you call or label it as long as it works for you because then it becomes part of that power routine right so <clears throat> because when i talk about upgrading the body and we didn't go into detail well we did go into detail about the foundations but yes it's body mind and spirit right uh, being in control of all those mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So, you know, when people talk about God or prayer, you know, other people would say visualization and manifestation. You're putting your frequencies, your energies, your thoughts out there, whether it's to right. a God, whether it's to prayer, whether that's through manifesting, whether it's visualization. It's the same terminology. It's different terminology, but it's the same thing. You're putting frequencies and thoughts out there. And then if you do that correctly, your resources come to you. That's why you're always happy. You ask for something and it comes back to you. Obviously, you need to recognize that, right? You can keep sending things out there. The resources will come. But if you don't recognize them, you're not getting anywhere either. So it needs to be a conscious thing, right? Because a lot yes. of people pray, but there's no thought behind it. There's no feeling behind it. When you visualize, yes. when you manifest, when you meditate, when you pray, it needs to. all your senses need to be involved. Because there was this book, The Secret, and stuff like that. If you just think or putting doubts out there, that's not going to do anything. You need to assume the feeling that it already happened. Whether you're asking for love, whether you're asking for whatever it is, uh, whatever your goals or dreams are, you need to assume the feeling right now 
that that already happened. And you need the visualizers and you need, what does it smell? What do I hear when you do visualization? So you got to incorporate those five senses and so strongly believe into it that you're already feeling as if it happens. And when you send that strong frequency out there to your God, uh, to the universe, to the cosmos, to whatever it is that you're sending it to, yes, the resources will come back to you, right? And so, but it has to be with intention. It cannot just be, oh, I need to pray without the intention, without looking out for the resources coming back at you. Uh, so yes, um, you're 100% correct there. It's important. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we call it, right? As long as we intentionally send that uh, yeah. out there, it will come back to us, I believe. Yeah. What, what does that look like for you? Like, what's your, do you have a, do you have a certain faith? Do you have a certain perspective on it? But what role does yeah. that play for you personally? I don't, I, I believe in something bigger. I am more spiritual. I believe, for example, there are aliens. I believe that there are, you know, uh, powers out there. Um, and so with that belief system, I do the same as you. I put it out there because I know it helps and I know you know, you, you, you get what you're putting out there. I mean, I believe that all the big inventors in our lifetime, it wasn't their idea. The idea came from up there, right? So they asked for it. They tried to invent that light bulb a few thousand times and just by putting it out there, okay, this guy is struggling. Let's give him the answer, right? <laughs> so I believe that to me, <laughs> yes, to me, it's like, uh, I'll, Instead of God, I like to use Mother Nature or, or Spirit, uh, you know, the universe. Um, you know, religion has a little bit of a negative connotation to it. I believe there's a lot of religious war. A lot of people fight over religion. So religion to me is a little bit, you know, I feel we need to look bigger than religion, which is the, the spiritual world, the world of energies and frequencies. And so just put it above religion is what I like to do. And not kind of, again, categorize yourself in a limited space of, you know, I'm Catholic, I'm Protestant, I'm Baptist, I'm this why, you know. There's only one big universe with one big energy. I don't care what you call it, but just don't compartmentalize yourself uh, spiritually either is what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ventured, because you talk a lot about nature, so I'm curious, have you ventured into the psychedelic space? Uh, I know a lot of people that have. I've been invited many times. <laughs> uh, I'd rather get there through breathwork and meditation versus ashkawanda or mushrooms or anything like that. I think personally, I'm a little bit afraid of that. Um, and maybe there's, a, it, there's an ego and a control type of, you know, um, uh, reason for it, right? Trying, being yeah. afraid of being out of control, even though, even though when we have it in our area or with my friends, of course, it's a controlled environment with people that know what they're doing. Uh, but I believe that we can get there without those um, substances if we practice visualization, breath work, getting into a meditative state. I think we accomplish the same type of things. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because for me, my journey with expanded levels of consciousness started with meditation with transcendental meditation 
but it wasn't anywhere near these grandiose states or experiences that I've experienced later. And then I went deep into the psychedelic space, ayahuasca, San Pedro, mm -hmm. mushrooms, DMT, and yeah. had the most profound experiences of my life. And I arrived at a point where the message came through for me that says, that's it. You've reached the end of this journey. You don't need it anymore. Yeah. And then I went deeper into meditation. And then I discovered the Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations. And I, in August, I went to his retreat in Austria, uh, the seven days. And yeah. I had a full-on DMT experience simply yes. through my breath and in, into the pineal gland yeah. and a four-and-a-half-hour meditation. And it was, it wasn't... It wasn't the same level of a psychedelic because the psychedelic really did for me the thing that you said you're you might be afraid of, which it removed this controlling ego, this this idea of who I am, in a good way because it was in a controlled way. But I don't really feel the call to go back. In fact, I feel the call to go deeper into meditation and to use my you know as as Wim Hof always talks about you know getting high on your own supply, because I find that's the most sustainable way that's the that's the most efficient way that's something you can pull out at any time like you can't just eat a mushroom you know when you're in the middle of the streets uh, uh and, and you're you're about to go to, exactly. uh, through your day right uh, that's not very practical so i love that perspective that you have on that and on that note i also want to ask you what is something that you see entrepreneurs do or engage in that they think leads to higher levels of performance, but that you know is actually doing the opposite? Well, yeah, there's a bunch of things, but obviously multitasking, um, you know, they're always yeah. in their sympathetic, they're always in their sympathetic state and they don't recognize you need a good balance between sympathetic, parasympathetic. I think all of them are probably... Um, you know, unable to uh, manage the people that work for them. And so they're too busy. They're multitasking, which is, which is a big mistake. Um, and they're always in flight or fight sympathetic. Hence, they're also very stressed. They're anxious. Um, and, uh, you know, they are, they are trading their, their health for their wealth, you know, and, and a lot of people yeah. say that, but you can see it because they never in, they, they don't know how to get into the parasympathetic. Even if they fly from, I just say from LA to New York, it's a five hour flight. You would think that there's five hours that maybe they can just, you know, get into a meditative state or have the tools or techniques to get into parasympathetic when they actually have some time, but they don't have those types of skills. And so I think even for the top entrepreneur and executive, having those skills to know uh, how to balance sympathetic, parasympathetic, not only will prolong their life, but make them as a professional much, much more effective uh, in the outcomes of all the projects that are involved in too, because it's about focus. It's about not being distracted. It's about controlling your mind and your body again, right? And so if you can't control sympathetic, parasympathetic, you know, you're just out there for the grasp, for the grabs, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, yeah. you're, yeah. you're a subject to your environment and we don't want to be that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, this is exactly the, the whole foundation of why I founded the Zenpreneur movement. Exactly why, what you said, because I noticed that 
the whole hustle and grind mentality is all about operating on fear and stress. It's all operating mm. on deficiency. It's all saying of like, I don't have enough, therefore I need to go out and get it. And that means you doing it at the expense of your well-being, at your relationships. You think that the 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 states of beings that you're looking for, uh, joy, peace, bliss, love, uh, you think that's at the end of the rainbow at the in the gold pot, but it's right here. And the tools that yeah. you talked about today are a straight line to that. So I I love this conversation. I love what you brought forward. And you know, as we come up at the end of uh, our conversation, I have one more question. I'm really curious how you're going to answer it. And that is, if you could spend an hour of your time with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, hard to say, right? Many choices, but uh, probably Gandhi, just because ah. his mind was, yeah, pro just because his mind was so powerful, right? Um, you know, if you want to ch see a change in the world, you got to start changing by yourself. Uh, you can take everything you want, but you can't take my mind. You can't take whatever I'm thinking. So uh, I think that would be a good conversation to have. Yeah. More from what we talked about today, a mind, a powerful mindset point of view that nobody can do yeah. anything to me because that's what inner peace is, right? Inner peace is being in a state where no external situation or person, uh, you know, can influence you or can change you, right? And that's inner peace, uh, no matter what state you're in. So I think he's one of the few that actually, you know, was in that type of state. So maybe learn something from him. <laughs> yeah. Be the change you wish to see in the world. I love that. That's and you right. are definitely being that change, Mike. So what's the best way that my audience can connect with you? Well, the easiest way is just my website, biohackingunlimited.com. My books are there. My mentorship programs are there. You can sign up for a free newsletter. My speaking bio is there. We do, uh, you know, uh, VIP retreats. There's one coming up next year in Costa Rica. Lots of breath work there. Uh, so everything um, is there at biohackingunlimited.com. Beautiful. Mike, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the Zenpreneur podcast. You have delivered so many practical insights, so many simple steps for people to really enhance their performance, enhance their well-being, and most importantly, find purpose in life and live a more aligned, a more peaceful, more fulfilled life. So thank you very much for sharing your time and energy here today. And I look forward to speaking you, to you again soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you too, Mario, because this is team effort. We're trying to help people and it's your time and your expertise too. So thank you for your time. Beautiful. And thank you, my dear listener, for making all of this possible. And we will see you on the next episode.